I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back into the Rocky Top Talk podcast. I am your host, Terry Lambert, joined as always by Evan Winter down in Tampa. Uh, How's the Sunshine State treating you? It's awfully sunny, that's for sure, but man, things couldn't be going better. Just down here living the dream, watching training camp. Yeah, cool opportunity to, to cover Bucks camp down there with SB Nation, so uh, that's very cool. But we're going to take a break. Uh, Evan's going to take a break from Bucks camp, talk a little Tennessee football with us. Um, as always, we write for RockyTopTalk.com. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, go check out the website. You're going to have the most up-to-date news and information over there. If you like what you hear today, subscribe to our podcast. We're going to be hitting this a lot more often during football season, all the way into basketball season. So we're almost done with our, our, our period of inactivity here. The long, hot summer is almost over. So football camp set to start on Friday. Jeremy Pruitt will address the media on Friday afternoon. So we'll be having tons of content over at RockyTopTalk.com, and we'll be producing a lot more podcasts. So... Uh, with that being said, today we're going to take a look at this Tennessee offense, uh, looking to get out of the dumpster, quite honestly. Uh, it's been a rough couple of seasons in, in Knoxville under Tyson Helton in the last year of Butch Jones, too. Uh, you know, last two offensive have ranked in the 120s, so that's bottom of the barrel in the FBS. So, new offensive coordinator Jim Chaney coming in, a lot of expectations. That's a really, really high price tag. Uh, what do you think? What's your first impression of Cheney? Uh, can he come in and immediately deliver and help this offense? I mean, I definitely think he can deliver and help the offense to what extent I'm not entirely sure of because it's obvious in the SEC if you don't have an offensive line, you're not doing much. And we really don't know what this offensive line is going to be like. You would hope that under is – Will, is Will Friend still the highest? He is. Player? As I say, you would hope that under the highest-paid offensive line coach in the country that they would take a huge step in year two, but we don't know. Just like you said, the past two years have just been abysmal on the offensive side of the ball, and um, we've had offensive line issues since the the beginning of Butch Jones' era. So how much he can help this uh, offense is unknown, but what I do think he'll do is I think he'll put these guys in a position to make plays, and I think he'll use his best playmakers, and that in itself should pay off in some pretty big dividends for the offense. Yeah, just just schematically. I, I didn't think Tyson Helton did a great job last year. Certainly. Uh, you know, we, we all made fun of run, run, pass, but that's <laughs> literally what it was. I mean, it was every single drive, run, run, pass. You know, you're just trying to establish the ground game with an offensive line that could not establish the ground game, proven time and time again. Never really seemed to try anything different off of that. So uh, that that's kind of what I'm excited for. I don't think Jim Chaney will be banging ahead, his head against the wall and trying the same thing over and over again. So looking for a little more creativity. Looking for a little more comfort out of uh, Jared Garantano. You know, going into his fourth season, redshirt junior now. Uh, it's his fourth offensive coordinator, which is a wild stat. Uh, looking to get settled in in an offense finally. 
uh, you know, Garantano has some expectations now. There's there's a lot of hype around this guy uh, for the first time ever. Uh, you know, you look at some of these analytics people, and they all love him. You know, he, he doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, they they say he he completes a high rate of balls on on third down when he's not pressured. It's just a matter of what's going on around him. At least that's what people are saying. I'm kind of of the you know opinion that we need to see it first. We need yeah. to see him operate when things are going right. Uh, I think it's dangerous to assume that he can do this when everything goes right. But uh, certainly, this is the most talented offense he's been in. Oh, definitely, and you're absolutely right. I mean, if I don't know how often the analytics people have been watching, I don't know if they watch any tape or they're just going off the numbers and situations that are on paper. Um, but yeah, we need to see this happen. Um, he did step up his game, but that's only you know his second year uh, starting in the SEC. Um, but like y'all mentioned in the position preview, you and Nick, uh, Tennessee threw the 12th lowest number of passes in the country. I mean, that's some pretty important context right there. And obviously, if you don't have much volume, if you're playing efficiently, which is good, um, but still, that's going to limit your chances for mistakes. And obviously, if he's out there slinging the ball around and the offense is working well, like you said, when things are going right, we need to see what he can do with 35 pass attempts a game on a regular basis, or maybe you know, maybe not that many, but 25 or 30 pass attempts a game on a regular basis. And it's just something that we don't know what he can do yet, and we don't know if he's capable of doing that. 100% agree. I think it's a great point. Um, how many times did he take a risk down the field? How many times did he throw a strike, you know, threading the needle in between a safety and a corner? You didn't see that. So right. you saw a lot of screens. You saw a lot of smoke and mirrors. Now, you saw him attack down the field a little in the Auburn game, but Tennessee didn't really do that again for the rest of the year. So I think it was a super conservative attack last year. I think it's going to be a little bit different this season. But, again, I think it's dangerous to assume that he's just going to be better. You certainly hope that he's going to be better. I'd love nothing more for him to be better. He's, he's probably the most single, most important player on this team. Uh, and, and, you know, Austin Power T Tape says he, if he goes down, Tennessee's screwed. Uh, and, and it's kind of hard to argue that because there's no experience behind him. And, you know, let's get into that for a second. You got JT Shrout, the redshirt freshman. Then you've got Brian Maurer, the true freshman, both three star prospects. Both have not seen the field. We got our first taste of each in the spring game. Uh, both had up and down uh, days. Shroud had the, the long completion to Tyler Bird down the sidelines. Uh, Mauer led that great two-minute drill, uh, but then followed that up with two picks to end the day. So I was I was a little surprised Tennessee didn't you know pursue anything on the grad transfer market and the quarterback market uh, just to try and get an established veteran as as a backup. But uh, man, I, I'm kind of starting to lean. With Austin, if Garantano goes down, it's a total wild card for Tennessee, and I don't really want to find out what happens next. No, certainly not. And, I mean, JG coming out of high school, I believe he was a four- or five-star recruit. I know he's at least a four-star recruit, and he, I believe he's the number one dual-threat quarterback right. in the country. Uh, JT Shrout and Brian Maurer are nowhere near that level in terms of athleticism, even though you could argue Jaron Garantano hasn't really shown us much athleticism um, outside of a few plays over the past couple of years. No, I don't want to know what have, what life is like without Carantano. That, um, that's nightmare fuel, and let's avoid that at all costs. But as many beatings as he took last year, it almost seems like it's bound to happen unless something drastically changes this year. Right, and, and you've got the added talent on the offensive line, which we'll get into here. 
but you know that's another good point. How many times did he get not necessarily knocked out of the game, knocked out for a drive? You know, uh, I can think of Missouri, you know, Alabama right. uh, come to mind immediately. So uh, the little things like that could derail Tennessee's season. I just don't think they have a, a lot of room for error at the quarterback position. Nope. Um, next, we'll move on to the running back spot. Uh, Evan, we kind of disagree a little bit on, on Ty Chandler here. Uh, I'll let you lead off since you kind of seem to have a stronger opinion on Chandler. I love him, man. Uh, <laughs> as y'all as y'all know, I think Chandler is arguably the best player on Tennessee's offense. Um, he's definitely the most dynamic. Uh, I'm coming out with uh, a piece tomorrow on the uh, on we're doing the top ten players or most important players, and he's number nine unjustifably in my opinion but uh we uh where'd you have uh, him i had him at number three i believe i definitely had him top five i can't remember exactly um but regardless uh um he had he accumulated or he accounted for 66 percent of tennessee's rushing yards from the running back group from last year um he tied for fourth on the team with 19 receptions he tied for first on the team with three receiving touchdowns Jawan jennings was the other guy with three touchdown receiving touchdowns and he obviously read or led uh, all running backs with four touchdowns or five touchdowns i believe but either way um just average 5.5 yards a carry was an absolute monster he's fast he's elusive he can get out in space he's got good vision he did have a little bit of, uh, of an injury. Um, I believe he missed the Eastern Tennessee game last year. Um, but, I mean, dude, he's just an absolute monster. And the greatest part about him is you can line him out wide. You can put him in the slot. Um, you can do all kinds. You can just put him all over the offense, and teams have to respect that. I mean, technically, and I think Tennessee did it a few times last year, if I remember correctly, I think they even split out Tim Jordan out wide on a couple of plays. But, in, in theory, yeah, you can do that, but no no team's going to respect that. But if Chandler's out there, you've got to respect it because once he gets the ball in his hands, he can take it the distance every time. And I don't feel like any other running back on Tennessee's roster can do that. Right. So, you know, my issue with Chandler is I don't know if he's an every-down guy. Uh, but the other part of that is he doesn't have to be. Right. Uh, like you mentioned, Tim Jordan there, uh, Jeremy Banks is, is another guy, and, and maybe even true freshman Eric Gray can take a little off his plate. But, um, you know, this stat, Jesse Simon tweeted this out a while ago. Um, nearly 50% of his yards came on just eight carries in 2018. Yeah, that is very concerning. Yeah. He averaged 3.2 yards per carry on his other 104 runs. Now, how much of that is off his line? Quite a bit. You know, right. let, let's be real. Is there, there holes to run through there? Probably not. But um, it, it, it just didn't seem like... He was consistent enough. He wasn't as consistent as other backs. He didn't seem to find the holes as often as other people did. But, you know, what what he is is a, a player in space. Um, you know, our, our buddy Austin has referred to him as, as a Percy Harvin type, which yeah. I love. Yeah. You know, I, I don't understand not getting him the ball in space last year. Um, my main gripe with Tyson Hilton last year as a play caller was not getting him the ball in space, not getting him swing passes, not getting him screen passes. Uh, just he seems to be at his best when he can get outside of the tackle. So I think that's a key for Jim Chaney there. Uh, again, I don't know if he can hold up to the, the, the grind that is SEC football in between the tackles, but I do think he's a dynamic weapon that can really help Tennessee on the perimeter. Oh, certainly, man. Like I said, he's, in my opinion, he's their best 
and most athletic playmaker on the offense. Um, if, if they lose him, they're going to take a step back for sure in the explosive department, even though explosive is kind of a strong word to use about this offense. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll, I'll lead into that with, with taking a look at Eric Gray, um, the freshman. I, I, I called him a wild card in my post that I did on Rocky Top Talk last week. I, I think he is. I think he's tied Chandler with maybe not the top gear that Chandler has, right. but exactly. uh, I, I think he can make plays in space. I, I think he does everything pretty well. So he reminds me the most of Chandler on this roster. So he might be able to step in and, and fill that role. Um, but certainly if something were to happen and Chandler were to go down, Tim Jordan would become the guy. And Jordan's just a guy that I'm just a little – you know, a, a little meh on. He's uh, 5'11", 203 pounds. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt talked a lot about his vision, his lack of vision last year. Really got on him after a couple of games, you know, for not seeing the hole and not getting through the hole. It's something that r- new running back coach David Johnson has talked a lot about too, uh, just showing him, you know, cutting up video and, and showing him what he should have done. So that's something to watch with Tim Jordan. Uh, I like his style. I, I think he's angry. Uh, again, 5'11", 203 pounds, not a very big guy, but he's going to be Tennessee's guy, you know, workhorse, if you will, in this offense that's going to split the ball potentially with up to four guys. No, oh, yeah, man. Um, and going back to Eric Gray real quick, he reminds me a lot of John Kelly, um, If he, especially if he put on about 10 pounds. Just he's got enough athleticism, enough quickness, um, enough just umph to be able to break tackles, to get out, get past defenders, get past the second level, all that good stuff. But, yeah, like Tim Jordan, I think he, what, finished the West Virginia game with like 120 yards on the ground or something yeah. like that, and then he only ran for a little over 500 for the right. entire season. So, yeah, you're talking 400 yards over the next 11 games. That's not going to get it done in this offense. And a lot of that did have to do with uh, vision issues, like Jeremy Pruitt said. And I wonder if him running so angrily almost allowed or makes him see red, so to speak, and he can't see the lanes that he needs to hit. He's just too busy trying to hit the first person that you know gets their hands on him. That that might be something to watch this year whenever he gets the ball. And speaking of running angry, Jeremy Banks is back at running back, and I'm yeah. I'm irrationally excited about it. Yeah. I, I love <laughs> big backs that go run over people. And I know it was ETSU, but that that game he had 13 carries for 62 yards, two touchdowns. It was awesome. You know, yeah. it was awesome just to see that that fire out of the guy. You know, he was pumping up the crowd uh, before he got the ball. Everybody knew that he was getting the ball, and he's standing there pumping up the crowd. Um, so I love the guy. I think he's a character. Obviously got to rein him in just a little bit. I know Jeremy Pruitt wasn't a big fan of pumping up the crowd. Uh, right. The big issue there is fumbles. He had three fumbles in the three games that he was really used in. So he's got to clean that up, especially especially if he's going to be the goal line guy. But I, I think you can see him take over the role at, at the very least that Madre London had. And look, you know, if he starts producing, I think Banks could eat into Tim Jordan's role a little bit. Oh, easily, man. Yeah. And do um, you remember the running back, TJ Duckett, for the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah. Back? That's who he reminds me of, yeah. man. Just a big guy who will just absolutely plow you down um, in the open field. And, I mean, yeah, you know, we know how much Jeremy Pruitt loves a good physical running game. So, if he continues to do his thing and Tim Jordan continues to fall behind, it could easily take some playing time away. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, that's the running backs. Uh, we've looked at the quarterbacks. Up next will be the receivers. Uh, but we're going to take a short break first. So, we'll be right back. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, so this group might be the strongest spot on the team. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and un- unfortunately, really, that it's the strongest spot on the team because this offensive line has been so bad. You've had so many questions at the at the quarterback position. They really haven't put up the numbers that they're capable of. But Marquez Callaway, Jawan Jennings, Josh Palmer, that's the best position group on the team to me. Um, all 6-2 or above all can win you a 50-50 ball down the field. You know, you really saw them show out against Auburn and and I think they single-handedly won that game against Auburn. Uh, you saw Marquez Callaway single-handedly win the game against Georgia Tech a couple of seasons ago when he burst onto the scene. So I really want to see them get more involved in this offense. But again, it all comes back to that offensive line. It all comes back to Jared Garantano. Uh, but it, look, these guys can put up huge numbers. There's no reason uh, for them to be putting up 500, 600 yards uh, I, I think all three of them are, are very capable of having 1,000-yard years. It's just going to be a matter of what happens around them as to whether they can get to that number. Certainly, man. I mean, you've got to love what this receiver room can do when they're utilized correctly and things are going in their favor. Um, I love Josh Palmer. He's a great down-the-field threat. Uh, not much run after the catch, but he's a big body that will go up and get the ball. Obviously, we all know what Marquez Callaway can do and Juwan Jennings. I really hope Jordan Murphy can add a nice um, explosive element to this team. Um, Obviously, with Tyler Bird and Brandon Johnson, they're kind of, you know, they just are what they are at this point. But Jordan Murphy is definitely a guy I'll be looking for. Um, Would love to see him get into it. Uh, And hopefully Jim Chaney finds ways to use him. One thing, though, I've been kind of thinking about, and it comes to Juwan Jennings, you know, he's had some injuries over the past few years, you know, starting especially with 2017 against the Georgia Tech game. I wonder just how how physically physical he is, and just what he puts his body through. I wonder if it's starting to wear down on him. Yeah, and it's it's a fair question. I mean, you had the knee injury this season in a workout, uh, which was unfortunate because I don't think we saw the true Jawan last year uh, throughout the season. But I think we saw the true Jawan in spring game, uh, and he caught two touchdowns and, and made some plays over the middle. Uh, looked faster, looked quicker. Uh, and then he goes and, and has that knee injury. He's supposed to be ready for, for camp. You know, we'll have to see. Maybe Jeremy Pruitt will tell us something on Friday. But, yeah, I, I absolutely think that's a fair question. And, and I, I hope not a guy that's come back to Tennessee for his senior season uh, when he could have bolted for the NFL. Uh, so you hope a guy like that has a solid senior season and gets a chance to perhaps play in the senior bowl you know, and, and go, go straight to the league. So, uh, But, yeah, on, on Jordan Murphy. I think that's a guy that that doesn't get enough love. Um, you know, quite honestly, I thought he should have been involved in the offense uh, sooner than he was. He really didn't show up until what the Kentucky game. I, yeah. I mean, they they started getting him uh, touches on the those reverses and, and down the field. So I, I think he brings something that nobody else has: uh, electrifying speed. A guy that can win down the field with speed. You can win down the field with size with your top three 
then you bring Murphy in. That's going to get the safety's attention. That's going to help your run game. That's going to open a lot of things up for for Jim Chaney. So hopefully Murphy comes in and is immediately in the offense. So, um, yeah, you mentioned Tyler Bird and Brandon Johnson. Did, did you remember Brandon Johnson leading this team in 2007 yeah. or 2017? Yeah, man, it's wild because yeah. I remember – I remember, like, I wrote Josh Palmer as my breakout candidate in the receiver group last year, and then I went back and kind of looked at it, and I was like, oh, crap, Brandon Johnson had, like, a pretty decent year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and then he just, what, maybe had, like, six catches last year or something? 482 yards to 132 yards uh, yeah. a, a season later. So, um, not sure what happened there, why he fell out of the offense. I thought he showed, you know, decent promise uh, yeah. in, in that terrible 2017 season. Especially um, like, a, like an over-middle kind of running, yeah. you know, beat post type guy. I mean, he made some, several plays over the middle on some crossing routes and all that stuff, so he figured he could at least do that, but obviously not. <laughs> yeah, so Tennessee's got plenty of depth. Um, Tyler Bird made a big play in, in the spring game. Um, he's got like four catches since his freshman year when we all thought he was going to be something. Um, but uh, another guy that just hadn't quite worked out, you know, he spent time at, at defensive back and flip back over to receivers. So Tennessee's really deep, really deep at receiver. They've got a ton of guys that can do a ton of different things. Unfortunately, they just haven't had the offensive line, the quarterback, to use all these guys. So, um, you know, you, you look ahead a little bit. You've got Rommel Keaton on this team. You've got Cedric Tillman, Gerard Means. They're all, you're going to hear from those guys next year. Um, they, they all might be in the rotation along with Josh Palmer. Uh, so this room's going to look a lot different, but they've got one more season of having really good receiver play. Um, and and kind of building off of that, we'll look at the, these tight ends real quick. Uh, Dominic Wood Anderson uh, is back in the fold. A guy that, I, it's tough. It's tough to call him disappointing because of the state of the offense and how bad everything was around him. But I think we were all expecting a little more uh, than what was it, 18 catches that he had? I mean, it's, it's tough to tell with Dominic Wood Anderson. Um, he caught a touchdown in the West Virginia game in the opener, and then pretty much after that just kind of faded into black. Uh, what I saw on tape just it just didn't really fit the description of a number one ranked Juco tight end. Uh, not very explosive, has decent hands, didn't really seem like he had a firm grasp of the offense, and just didn't take advantage of the opportunity, a major opportunity that he had last year. So there's a big question mark surrounding him and whether or not he can shoulder the load like he was purported to be coming into, or coming into uh, Tennessee. So I, I kind of have a bold prediction here, um, and, and I've, I've kind of previewed this with you. But I, I, I think a lot of Jackson Lowe, the four-star signee uh, that came in in last year's class, he played in the spring game, had a big catch down the sideline, um, of course fumbled it. Uh, but he, he looked good doing it. You know, he looked like he could move move around a little bit. I think he's going to be an immediate, uh, an, an immediate contributor. I think he catches more balls than Dominic Wood Anderson. Uh, and, and maybe that's bold. But uh, I, I think Tennessee is set up really well at the position with him. Uh, you know, they're, they're kind of coming in on equal footing, uh, learning the offense and, and getting acquainted with Jim Chaney. So I, I'm expecting some big things from Jackson Lowe there, um, just as, as another playmaker on this offense that, quite honestly, outside of offensive line and quarterback, is pretty loaded. I mean, he's 6'4", 250 pounds. That's that type of tight end that uh, that um, Pruitt's used to seeing back at, 
at Alabama, and I can tell you right now that's almost the exact same size as O.J. Howard. I'm not saying that's O.J. Howard, or he's O.J. Howard in the making. I mean, O.J. Howard is 6'6", 256, um, but Lowe's a big dude. He can run. I'm sure he has a big enough body to um, make, or to hold defenders back, basically box them out to borrow a basketball term. And it wouldn't surprise me at all either, man. It's not a very high bar. So hopefully somebody can step up in that role because, they, sh- that we, as we all know, the ball sure as hell need it. Yeah, like pick, pick Tennessee over offers from Clemson and Alabama. So, yeah, that was yeah, a – Alabama right there. <laughs> that, that was a quiet, big recruiting win for Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, as he, he kind of tries to flip that room over, which, you know, had a lot of pieces uh, last year, but none of which really fit together. You know, Eli Wolf has, has now since transferred to Georgia. Uh, you've got Austin Pope there, who's now, you know, kind of sort of a fullback. Uh, then you've got guys like Jacob Warren, Princeton Fant, uh, and you've got another signee in Sean Brown. So I think Lowe is definitely the best of the rest there, uh, and a guy that's going to be able to push. Uh, Dominic Wood Anderson. I still don't know how in the hell Kirby Smart wanted Eli Wolf. I'd still blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it. Must have been Slim Pickens. You know, honestly, no disrespect to Eli Wolf, but um, we didn't really see much out of him. That he, he's not a can't miss player. So to go to a program like Georgia, I, I know they lost their 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 top tight end there, but be interesting to see if he finds the 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 field. <laughs> uh, from here we'll move on to the topic that this entire offense revolves around it's the offensive line oh lord um and we've got to start with trey smith yep. uh i think i think the conversation starts there the blood clot issue flared up again you know this guy looks like an all-american all as a freshman uh comes in and blowing people up first game um uh, you know just one of those guys that you can't believe was playing high school football a year ago, and just just blows up Georgia Tech, and was playing guard, and he comes back, has the blood clots, isn't able to go through spring, uh, is inserted back into the lineup at left tackle where he was recruited as, uh, and you know let's face it, wasn't the same guy. No. Um, and you know looking back, it, it's probably not fair to to expect him to be the same guy, being out of football, being out of contact, not being able to work out. Um, all of those things, uh, it, it just it wasn't going to be. He wasn't going to walk in and be Trey Smith again. Now the blood clot issue reflares, and at this point you're thinking, man, you just feel for the kid, and, and you you just want him to be healthy and, and live a normal life. Uh, but he's he's back at it. I mean, he's going for it. He's going through walkthroughs. Uh, hasn't done contact yet, but the the feeling around the program, at least the feel that I get. They seem pretty optimistic that this guy's going to be able to play and going to give it a go uh, this fall. Yeah, man, it's pretty wild. And like you said, it's just such an up-and-down story. But um, I mentioned to you all in the Slack chat a few months ago, Doug Matthews actually said back in like March or somewhere around that time that he had some optimistic information on Trey Smith. And it's just crazy to see how it's still playing out to that fact um, You know, a few months later down the road. And that's as that's as pretty much as encouraging news as you can get if you're a Tennessee Balls fan right now because the dude was an absolute stud, an absolute difference maker. Like you said, just couldn't get it back together last year and completely understandable. But he's faced with the same circumstances this year. So even if he does play, which would be great in its own right, 
how effective is he really going to be? Right. And are they going to put him back at guard? Are they going to put him back at tackle? And then what happens if it, if it comes back up again? Obviously, he's not going to play. But it's just it's a tough situation, man. And obviously, he's so talented that he's going to be on the field if he's allowed to be on the field. And you just hope that no matter what happens, at the end of the day, he stays healthy, or he, he personally stays healthy. He doesn't have to be healthy to play football. Just stays healthy, and just nothing serious happens um, with his blood clots. Yeah, absolutely. You just want him to, uh, you know, be able to put together a full season. Because, like I said, watching this guy as a freshman, uh, this guy was a top ten pick. You know, lock it up, put it in the bank. That was going to happen. Yep. Uh, and now you just want to see him have a chance to be able to play at the next level. So um, I'm with you. I, I think he plays at guard. Uh, I, I think with the two five-star tackles coming in, it makes sense to play him at guard. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, maybe he's not in tippy-top shape. Uh, put less pressure on him at the guard spot. A little less responsibility in pass protection. Uh, but still feels a need that, that Tennessee has uh, at the guard spot. So, you know, with that being said, let's talk about Wanya Morris. Darn all right. I think... Uh, you know, you referenced our, our most important players piece. I put Wanye at one, and I put Darnell at two. I think they're that important to this offense. I think they're that important to Jared Garantano, uh, keeping pass rushers out of his face, keeping him upright, keeping him healthy. Uh, that's a lot to put on two freshmen, 18-year-olds. Uh, but I think they're going to walk in and start from day one. I think it's a huge upgrade. Uh, I think it's going to take a minute to see that upgrade. I think it's going to take three, four, five, six games maybe. Uh, but we'll see how how quickly they come along. But um, it, maybe I'm setting myself up for failure, but I think it's an instant upgrade for the Tennessee offensive line. No, man, it's definitely an instant upgrade. And you're right, it's a lot of pressure to put on two 18-year-olds. But, I mean, these kids, they, they, they play football. They know what it's like. So, but... They're also going to be going up against some of the best competition in the country, um, if not the best competition in the country when it comes to defensive line and linebackers and all that stuff. So they've got a lot on their plate. And, yeah, I mean, their success or Jared Garantano's success and his life depends on what they're able to do at the tackle positions. But suffice to say, if there are some growing pains this year, as long as we see improvement, then Tennessee has, you know, a couple of, stud tackles for at least two more seasons that they could hopefully rely on so big picture gotta love what they're doing right there right now and just hopefully that the uh, in the smaller picture the more immediate picture um some stuff starts to unfold sooner rather than later yeah it's exciting when you look at this projected starting five i mean outside of brandon kennedy everybody's going to be back everybody's going to be in the program for a little bit longer uh, you know trey smith is its own deal but uh, this offensive line is finally getting deeper. You know, it seems like they've been just treading water or, or quite honestly drowning since Derek Dooley didn't sign an offensive lineman that one year, uh, yeah. which is just amazing, by the way. Um, yeah. But it's been a long time since Tennessee had a group of five that could get after you and win in the line of scrimmage. Maybe they're not there yet, uh, but I, I think they're definitely uh, on their way. Um, so you look at a guy like Brandon Kennedy, a senior, um, you know, got hurt in the the opener. Uh, it really had a had a had a you know struggled in the opener against West Virginia. Let's be honest, right. uh, a guy that needed to get a little bit stronger. Uh, you know, I think back to that first play against West Virginia, him getting trucked and uh, Garantano getting sacked on a screen out to the wide receiver. You know, it was kind of a, a microcosm of the upcoming year. So. 
we'll see uh we'll see what he looks like we'll see if he can bring some veteran leadership to this center position you know kind of the quarterback of the offensive line maybe that'll make a big difference no yeah definitely and i mean man if trey smith comes back just looking at the offensive line on paper wanya morris trey smith randy kennedy jameer johnson darnell Wright. i mean that, that's a there's a lot to get excited for especially if kennedy can recover and uh johnson can take the needed step i mean but outside of that Anytime you're three or four players out of the five where you feel pretty good on the offensive line, A, that's not a position we've had or that's not a feeling we've had for, about the offensive line in a very long time, and B, that's just that's something to build on. So hopefully they can get it done, man. And, and then just a little bit about the depth. You know, you got Karan Calvert, uh, Riley Locklear, Jackson Lampley, four-star uh, guard coming in, right. Jerome Carvin, uh, Niehaus, and Marcus Tatum. They're – there's some, some influx of talent there, and then there's some guys that have been around the block that are probably going to lose a spot to a freshman. And, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, you get those guys coming off the bench. We've seen, Lord, we have seen the last two <laughs> years what injuries can do to a team uh, and the adjustments that you got to make on the fly. So I think Tennessee is deep. Uh, you know, Jer- Jeremy Pruitt talked about being able to run a two-deep uh, a rotating group of five in practice, you know, that seems like such a routine thing that you should be able to do. He wasn't able to do that when he first got here. And that's, that speaks to where this offensive line was, you know, where it's at today. Uh, I, I think they've done some, some big work there. They're going to continue to do big work there. It might take a couple of seasons to see it. Um, hopefully this is the last Rocky season that, that we have, though. Hopefully, man. All we can do is pray at this point. So, <laughs> just, I'm just, I'm, I'm, but I'm ready. I'm ready to have my my heart ripped from my chest if if need yep. be. I'm ready to hurt again. Yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, that is our, uh, you know, rosy look at the Tennessee offense. <laughs> uh, there's some, there's some exciting pieces here for sure. But again, there's a lot of things that could go a lot of uh, different ways. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly Jim Cheney can start to transform this thing. Uh, We're going to do the same thing with the defense coming up later this week. Uh, We're going to take a a look at new defensive coordinator Derek Ansley and what he's got to work with. Uh, That's a pretty exciting group over there, especially in the secondary there. So a lot to talk about over there. Uh, In the meantime, again, check out the site, rockytoptalk.com. Subscribe to the podcast, uh, and we will catch you next time.